Hey everyone, it's Justine Hollister here, uh, back to podcasting weekly. We start this week, although with all the fabulous things on the screen these days for women and how we want to be seen, I might have to do it more often. I mean, there's just so much out there to see, but today I'm going to start with the morning show with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston, both of whom are producers as well as the starring characters in this uh, series that just came out. Okay, you may remember Reese played Jennifer's younger sister on Friends, and according to the legend they're peddling now, uh, they've been looking for a project to do together ever since. But I suspect that Reese has done so many projects, if she'd wanted to bring Jennifer in, she could have, although maybe she just felt she wasn't right for any of those parts, but she sure is right for this one. Anyway, the morning show mirrors things that are happening in the news today. So the premise is a morning show's famous overpaid host, male host, I might add, is fired suddenly after a Me Too complaint uh, from one of his staffers. Matt Lauer, come to mind, anyone? Right down to the switch underneath his desk in his dressing room that locks the door. Seriously? I mean, that's a pretty amazing use of something that was, I felt, so striking to me when Matt Lauer was taken down that he had had a button put in his office under his desk so he could lock the door when someone came in. Why would you ever want to do that, you might ask. Anyway, um, the remaining female anchor, who's played by Jennifer Aniston, is caught at that moment in time when she has to step up or get stepped on. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. So she brings in another female co-host, which is a spur-of-the-moment decision, but one that she's based basing on more a, a moment when she's trying to strike back rather than a, a, a real plan that she's put together. But she thinks she can control this other co-anchor, and so we are off to the races. So I hear a lot of people comparing this to Sorkin's newsroom, which is fair enough. You know, both use the technique of taking what happened in the news and making it an enhanced version that we can recognize but now we have the ability to sort of see what was happening behind the scenes. So we're really taken in because we remember what happened, but we didn't have the inside scoop. So, but we should remember when we are watching this that it's fiction uh, with a touch of real, which makes it many things, but not, not a documentary, that's for sure. The trouble with doing something that reminds people of something like The Newsroom, written by Aaron Sorkin, uh, the greatest writer of our time, I'm going to say it again, is that you are competing with the best writer of point of view uh, that's ever been ever been writing for television. So the beginning monologue in the newsroom by Jeff Daniels in the first episode is considered by some, and I'm certainly in that group, um, to be the best beginning ever written for a TV series. So it's worth playing now on a, for a number of reasons, but our newscaster anchor, who's played by Jeff Daniels, is sitting on a panel of journalists, and he's asked the question, why is America the greatest country in the world? And he sort of hedges. The other people answer about freedom, et cetera, et cetera, and he's torn. He knows he shouldn't step outside the box. He shouldn't irritate his following, but he finally says what he thinks. Uh, so I'm going to play the beginning of that here. Why is America Not the greatest, the greatest country in the world, Professor. That's my answer. You're saying... Yes. 
Let's talk about... Fine. The Sharon, the NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of our paycheck, but he gets to hit you with it anytime he wants. It doesn't cost money. It costs votes. It costs airtime and column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. If liberals are so fucking smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? Hey. And with a straight face, you're going to tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yeah, you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is... There is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force, and number four in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yosemite? Okay, you can't write better than that. I mean, I don't know how anybody could compete with that. But as if that's not enough, he then lessens the blow he just gave to all of us Americans by with the second part. And the second part sort of softens the blow, but it also gives you hope, which was one of Aaron Sorkin's greatest things that he could do is he could slap you down, but then he always brought you back up. And I'm going to play the second part of what um, Jeff Daniels says here. Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed, we cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. We were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Enough? What you've seen there is, let me beat you up, and then I'm going to pick you back up and say, I know you can do it. Okay. One of the things that I'm concerned about is that the morning show might just be ripping everything apart, and I'm not sure how it's going to put it together, but I hope that it does. Sorkin always put it a little bit together in each episode. I've now seen four episodes of the morning show, and so far, we're not there yet. So I think that could be a plot consideration they might want to think about, but uh, there we have it. Okay, so now, before we get back to the women in the morning show, I wanted to also make another point that Sorkin wrote 
what you just heard in 2014, before fake news, before Trump, before our country blew up by choosing sides that, you know, we may never be able to bridge again. Uh, Our country is definitely divided in a way that, you know, one has a lot of concern no matter which side of the divide you sit on as to whether it can ever be repaired. That was written in 2014, and it foresaw a lot of what happened after the election in 2016. So Sorkin's ability to see ahead, and he did it all through the West Wing as well, is really interesting. I have to make that point. Okay, but I'm not allowed to talk about Sorkin anymore because it's all about women and the morning show. So, so now along comes the morning show. And the writer, who, by the way, does she does an, an admirable job. You know, just wait until I play the Jennifer Aniston answer to Sorkin's opening. She just can't compete with Sorkin, who is and will always be in a class of his own. So Kelly Aaron wrote the show. Okay, you're going to remember her work from Friday Night Lights. Yep, that was her. And I loved Friday Night Lights. And now when I think about it, I didn't realize at the time it had been written by a woman. But you can really see... That when you look back, you can see the, the underbelly of emotions that only women writers in those situations in my mind can do. So you can see the similarity in styles in the morning show with Friday Night Lights as well. Um, she's great and she's going to get stronger, I think. The first three episodes that dropped at once set the stage. The fourth episode is now off to the races. You know, she's a solid writer, and I think she'll be fine. The foundation for so many plots, there are a lot of plots going on here, and present-day issues, a lot of present-day issues are being addressed here, are now cemented in, and she can now weave the tale around them. So, you know, so well done to her. Kelly, you know, great. And I'm so glad to see female writers writing series. It's just so important. So uh, I give her kudos. But really, you know, the star power here goes to Jennifer Aniston. Okay, this is the first TV series that she has done since Friends in 1994. That's a long time. That's a really long time. You know, I was always disappointed that she didn't take stronger film roles after Friends. And I I never knew if she wasn't offered them, you know, and was one of the reasons because her hair was her distinguishing acting feature in Friends. I mean... It was all about her and her celebrity, and they didn't much talk about her acting acumen even then. I don't know. I don't think she was ever even up for an Emmy for Friends. But it should have been about her ability to act with her face and her body, as well as her dialogue delivery. Maybe it was about the breakup with Pitt, which certainly set her back. I don't know. But now she's coming out. Jennifer Aniston, in my opinion, is a great actor. She, I mean, she really is. You know, the camera now looks at her, and while she flips that hair still, you know, and I still find it demeaning to her acting, and I find it distracting. But anyway, she has command of her eyes, her hands, her face. Everything she does physically sits perfectly with her delivery of dialogue and her timing and her line delivery. It's just... It just shows that if you ever gave her solid work to do over these past 20 years, she would have had a shelf, I think, with awards overflowing. Maybe now is her time. I hope so. I'm a fan of Jennifer Aniston now, and I think she's carrying the show for sure. And I hope that she'll get the kudos she deserves and she's not so typecast as the girl next door that's a little bit of a lightweight actor that you can look at her and this performance because it is stellar. 
there is a lot of close-up FaceTime, and I think it's hard to do. I assume that it is, but anyway. And Reese, you know, Reese, as always, gets the job done here, you know. But when I see Reese in this kind of a role, I see Legally Blonde, and I see Sweet Home Alabama. I don't see a tough girl from the South who's clawing her way up. I just don't. Even though one could say that Sweet Home Alabama, that's what had happened to her. But we met her after she clawed her way up. We didn't see her along the way. And I can't see that opening scene that she does in the show where she attacks a, a coal person uh, when she's covering something in the South. Yeah, I, I just didn't quite get it. She said it was the most difficult scene she had to do. And I saw her in an interview where she said that was the first scene she did for the series. And it was tough. Um, she can do more. I mean, you know, look at walk the line. I mean, but in this type of a role that she's done so many times, I just think it's hard to see her as a new persona, but it's her bat and ball. Uh, you know, this is her game and she's doing such amazing work around finding work to produce that makes me proud to be female. So I'm going to give her all that, but I think she should have put Shaylee Woodley would have been better in this role than she is. I I don't know. I just don't think she should have necessarily put herself there. And I don't think a blonde kind of actor fits well into the persona we're trying to see from her. So, but again, she can play whatever role she wants as long as she keeps coming up with this amazing, amazing work to do. Now, also, Let's talk about Apple TV. Okay, this is Apple TV's first rollout as they enter this new world of streaming screen things. And over and over again, people are seeing their praises for doing two things. One is they're dedicating real money to get behind the work they're going to be producing and putting out. And they're giving freedom to the people to do their art. And I think it's going to pay off big time. You know, the word on the street is that they spent $15 million per episode and since, I mean, we're not talking about sets that are set in space or out in the Sahara Desert or, you know, planes crashing or, you know, I mean, we're not talking about things that $15 million an episode for 43 minutes. I don't know. Um, but I have to believe they're spending it on the talent and maybe that's as it should be. And I will bet you all my gems that the women are paid as much as the men, if not more, finally, finally, finally. It's sort of like I can watch this and I can trust that we were not diminished in any way to produce, direct, write, and act in this, in this series. And for me, that makes me want to watch it all the more. So, but the thing is, there's a much, much larger issue and it involves other series and things on the screen for girls like me. Finally, because women are writing, producing, buying the work, women are being portrayed as we are formidable, you know, formidable, real, thoughtful, smart, uh, attractive, funny, you know, we are awesome. And finally, these roles are coming up that show us in, in the true light of who we are rather than, I hate to say it, but a male version of what they wished we were. So... I will be reviewing the series Unbelievable soon. It's on Netflix, and everyone's talking about it. Certainly, the underground's talking about it. And I think it's probably the best series that's come out since The West Wing. I've watched it twice, and I need one more time before I can actually put my thoughts together on it. So I think I'm going to be podcasting about it next week. But but listen to this clip from a, the young woman who's the protagonist in this. And she was raped, and then she was trapped by a community not really wanting it to be true. 
And she back, I mean, it's just a long, long story that's so important. And in the, the first episode of Unbelievable, by the way, is a little tough to get through, but once you've gotten through the first episode, it's well worth it. But listen to this clip as she decides that she needs to fight for compensation for what she lost by the way she was treated. And she isn't a strong, vibrant, aggressive woman. You know, she's somebody who's pushing herself to expect and demand more. So I'm going to play this this audio for you here. How do you feel about that? Well, at first I was like, $500. Cool. But then I got to thinking that there were other things that I lost because of this. Like my job, my housing, free counselors, plus, you know, friendships and I know it's like hey $500 that you didn't have yesterday but my whole life I've just been like take what you get and just be happy that it's not worse but something about this made me feel like maybe that's not good enough this time when you decide you're not going to just take what you get anymore? What? You get more. Okay, you listen to that, and you hear this guy say to her, you know what happens when you expect more? You get more. I mean, it's just so simple, but so real, so perfect. Okay, now let's move on to Elizabeth Moss from The Handmaid's Tale. As she confirms... Who is in fucking charge to Bradley Whitford? Okay, you remember him from um, The West Wing, right? Josh from The West Wing grew up to be an old man with white hair. Anyway, um, he's one of the founders of the new order at The Handmaid's Tale that put women in cloaks and took away their voices. And this is her confronting him that he will, in fact, do what she wants him to do.
Okay, then last, but nowhere least, is Jennifer Aniston's moment of Emmy consideration as she tells the all-male management team at the news division that they are misguided in their belief that they are in charge. You? Immediately. You have placed us in an impossible situation. You have embarrassed yourself. You have done something unforgivably selfish. And for what? To what end? I find myself wondering if we can even trust you with the privilege of being on your Are you done? I'm sorry. The part you guys never seem to realize is that you don't have the power anymore. The news division is held up by my show. And the only thing keeping us afloat is me because guess what America loves me and therefore I own America it seems pretty fucking simple but so easy for you guys to forget are you actually trying to justify your actions? I'm not listening I don't need to justify anything you all are so convinced that you are the rightful owner of all of the power that it doesn't even occur to you that someone else could be in the driver's seat. And so, so we have to just gingerly step around your male egos in order to not burst this precious little bubble. Well, surprise! I'm bursting it. We are doing this my way because frankly I've let you bozos handle this long enough not the apology you're expecting So right now, we are swimming in female programming, telling our stories, our fabulous, painful, fixable stories, you know, for all the girls to see. And those moments that I've just played for you are from different series. I mean, there are so many out there. And I could have, by the way, I could have come up with five more. So I salute you all, and especially the likes of Reese Witherspoon, who said she just couldn't stand anymore being sent scripts that she didn't want to do because they didn't portray who she wanted to be, who she wanted to be. So I say we must watch these series, watch this series, watch the morning show, watch it with your teenage girls. I was texting actually one of my BFFs who was my roommate in the seventies. We had an apartment in East 70th street and we painted it. We painted the living room, Grecian Rose. We thought we were fabulous. But anyway, we were both starting out our careers. She went on to actually, not that long later, we determined that it was in the 90s. She made a bonus one year at a public company of a million dollars. I took her to dinner. I paid for dinner because I couldn't believe that I knew a woman who made a million-dollar bonus in a public corporation. I was like, you go. One of the sad things was she said that there weren't that many people that were happy for her at that time, but I was happy for her. So anyway... So we're texting back and forth. She lives in California. And I said that if I could have watched these shows back then, rather than Charlie's Angels, I probably would have taken a different career path, you know, for sure. I would have gone maybe into the FBI or a creative department at an ad agency, or maybe I would have become a journalist. I don't know. 
she would have been a lawyer or an anchor woman, both of which she could have nailed. She's amazing. Anyway, I love some of what I'm seeing on the screen more now than ever. I hope that you will take a moment to watch uh, the morning show, and I'd love to hear from you as to what you thought. So email me at screenthoughts at gmail.com or go to our website, www.screenthoughts.net. We're also on Instagram and Facebook with a lot of content around women in film. So I hope you'll start paying attention to us there too. So I thank you for listening this week. Um, This is our time to shine, ladies. Let's not forget it and let's support it. So talk to you next week. Thanks. Thank you.